Need a Jesus daily all are now again. The Irish in Sweden. And they're up to their ears in Lusabulla and saffron buns and Christmas shopping lists and shoveling snow. But sure, what would I know about that? And me after deserting you all and heading off to the World Cup. And I swear to GA's boys and girls, this week has been mad altogether. Usually, right, again, we'll tell you how the sausage is made. There are no secrets on the Irish and Sweden podcast. We tell you absolutely everything about what's going on from Kiruna down to Skjona. And I was, like, I'd usually have the podcast done fairly late in the week before it comes out in time for Kevin Carroll at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning. Because otherwise he'd be ringing me and texting me and going, what am I going to put in my ears now on the first day of work this week, huh? Um, so I've been sort of keeping that in mind. And now it's late on Sunday night and I'm at the World Cup and I was trying to get things together. And sure, Jesus, I was meeting myself coming back with all the things I was doing. Uh, we have two interviews for you today, not one, but two interviews for you today. But before we do that, uh, I'm actually missing a whole load of things that are going on. I believe the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden had their big gala dinner, and I saw that Neil Costigan is after winning one of the Beacon Awards. And I'm really hoping to, to catch up with somebody who can tell me about all the things that happened there. So if you are one of those people, I know Sophie Murphy was there in her finery, as was Suzanne Hunt, chairwoman or chairperson, should we say, of the Stockholm Gales. I did see pictures flying by on Instagram of that. So we're going to need somebody to come on the podcast in the middle of the week, lads. Somebody's going to have to find a half an hour to have a chat with me and tell me about the Swedish Irish Society Christmas dinner and the kids' party and... <clears throat> the the chambers do and all that kind of thing because I'm out of loop boys and girls I'm sitting here I'm sweating down here in Doha and I'm missing all the crackages I have in there and I'm disgusted with myself and then sure during the week doesn't the bell Dustin Gormley or uh, his excellency the ambassador uh, he has his minions sending me invitations to Christmas drinks which I can't even go to that because I won't be back in the country yet so I'm, I'm at the point nearly where I I almost cancel Christmas on myself now and I deserve it because uh, living my best life down here but of course there's always an opportunity cost right as i say two interviews this week we'll get to that in a second but i need you to do me a favor right i'm up to my eyes down here so i'm not able to be sharing uh, on instagram stories or on facebook or on linkedin or that kind of thing so i'd really appreciate it if you could take this week's episode or last week's episode or any episode in recent times that you enjoyed and just just give a little bit of an old share there right put it out to the rest of the irish around the place or to your family back home or indeed to anybody who might be interested in listening, anybody who might be interested in going into uh, patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm and throwing in a five a month, that'd be brilliant. Or indeed anybody like the bell Martin at Veerstums, Martin Hessian, a strong supporter of this podcast since the very beginning. Uh, and if you could help me by doing that, either by sharing the podcast or by sponsor, or by both, if you're that generous at this time of the year, that's entirely up to yourself. Uh, I'll take any help I can get at the moment because lads, I'll tell you, I'm worn out. Listen, there was another thing that happened recently that I never got to bring you, but I'm going to bring it to you now, right? The Stockholm Gales, after tough hell season at the soccer, uh, there was still a celebration dinner uh, had, right? I kept saying after the pandemic that surviving is the new winning. And I think that uh, we applied that to the Stockholm Gales soccer season as well. So there was an awards evening and some awards were handed out. And uh, the first person that I spoke to, spoke to on this week's podcast is Emmett Brogan, because Emmett received the award for the most improved player in the Stockholm Gales this year. Right now, if you don't know Emmett, Emmett was over in Stockholm working with the with first derivatives, and just a brilliant bloke would turn up 
any sort of training session. Didn't matter what it was, he was going to throw in it. Rugby, grand, yeah, Emmett Slayer, no bother. Uh, Gaelic football, brilliant. Soccer, brilliant. And he just came in and he gave his absolute all. The young fella is either sitting there sort of quietly having a bit of a chat or he's manic. And he was absolutely tremendous on the field. And over the course of the whatever, the 13, 14, 15 games he played this season, he really came on as a footballer. So I tracked him down, boys, because he went off and uh, started wandering around Mexico himself and his girlfriend. They used to live there actually a stone's throw from the office slash studio that I have in Sagda Explan. I often bumped into him on the street around there when he was coming home from work. So uh, they're off around South America now. So I tracked him down in Mexico of all places and it took about five days to get this interview done because they wouldn't be mad Neil Mobile Broadband now in Mexico. And if you're going to see the world lads, if you're going to see Central America or South America that kind of thing, uh, you're not going to be hanging around the internet cafes of back in the day. right? You're going to be out in the jungle or on whatever trail you happen to be on to find yourself so I eventually managed to find him in a hostel or a hotel or whatever class of a mansion he was staying on uh, to chat to the wonderful Emmett Brogan and to have a little word with him about yeah about the, the his time in Stockholm about winning the award from the Stockholm Games and indeed if he might be coming back to us at any point in the near future listen on friends listen on Tracked him down, ladies and gentlemen. The most improved player in 2022. <laughs> and by Jesus, there was some competition for that this year, the way things went for the Stockholm Gales. Uh, Emma Brogan, how are you keeping? Uh, not too bad, Phil. Not too bad. Are, Just, are, uh... are you completely out of shape now since the season ended, are you? Uh, no, I've done a few, done a few Joe Wicks workouts here and there. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Keep them going, you know. Good things came from COVID. Some things. <laughs> the exactly. Home workouts. <laughs> you got stuck into the home workouts. And um, where are you at the moment? Because you recently left Stockholm in all your glory. So you weren't you weren't even around to pick up your prize as the most improved player for a year, right? Uh yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, yeah, I did get on to Sean about it. <laughs> Send it to. Uh, I won't say my address now. I'll text you later. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you won't even be there later because you're on the move around Mexico at the moment, eh? Aren't you? This, yeah, this is the thing. Um, we were in Mexico initially for about a month, so we were there for about yeah for about five weeks. Um, we we first jetted out about on, on October the ninth. Um, so we've been to Mexico City, Oaxaca, um, Puerto Escondido, San Jose del Pacifico, Mazunde, basically all over. Well, in fairness, it's kind of just a loop around from Mexico City, nearly. If you're looking at it on the map. Um, Currently now we're in Belize, which is just on the border, on the east side of the country. Um, it's kind of, the funny thing about here is, just to give you a, a few tourist tips, <laughs> uh, it's still a part of the Commonwealth, so the funny thing is, on all the currency, it's Belizean dollars now, mm-hmm. but on all the currency we can see, well, she's gone now, but Queen Elizabeth's face is on all the currency, so it's still... British jurisdiction is still here, <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> does that go down well with um, you, does it? Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> money is money. Is the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if the locals know either. <laughs> it's just their currency, they just use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be looking that closely. What was it that made you want to go to, to uh, Mexico so much, Emmett? Was it the long Swedish winters here? You just went, get me out of here, get me some sunshine and some decent food, was it? I think I think it might have been a part of it. <laughs> I think I had five winters too much. <laughs> um, no, I think um, 
myself and my girlfriend, we, we kind of just planned that, you know, we, we were kind of, wouldn't say we were fed up in our jobs. It was more, we were just kind of burnt out and just wanted a bit of a change. But at the same time, you know, we're young enough and touch wood, we'd still be healthy in that. But, uh, you know, we kind of just thought we wanted, like, we still want to go and travel in that. And she's done it before. She did it before when she finished college and did, I think, a year or two of work experience. And then she just went off with one of her friends and traveled around South America. And I said, you know, what? I wouldn't mind getting on that one when <laughs> I want to finish up here. Um, and so, yeah, we started planning that roughly about, to be fair, roughly about this time last year. Um, and yeah, like, yeah, like, to be fair, like, I, I still like Sweden and I do like the, the whole, you know, one so it's nearly a summer and a winter type thing. Mm. But oh but definitely yeah, the winters can break you. Oh. <laughs> You'd know Phil. So. I'm into my my twenty fourth one has just started and by gee, I'm so fairly sick of them, you know. But um, how does that you know, you obviously would have to sort of, you know, resign from your job and, and your girlfriend well she she was working over here as well, wasn't she? And you just have to go, right, that's it, you know, we'll have to resign from fairly decent jobs. You were working with forced derivatives here, weren't you? Uh, well, yeah, the funny thing is, I haven't actually resigned. So, what FD did was they. Have they noticed you're gone yet, Emmett? Have they? <laughs> I hope they have. <laughs> I, must, I must check my bank again. She's not still being paid. <laughs> but they were decent enough about it when um, you wanted to go traveling, were they? Yeah, like, initially it was a bit like, you know. I don't think they're going to accept this, you know, going away for nearly 14, 15 months. But anyway, look, I sat down with them and they said, look, we can be flexible. Look, obviously, look, in the contract, it's a year, but we can be flexible. And technically, I'm actually on sabbatical. So when I come back now in, I think it's the end of October, no, the end, yeah, the end of September, uh, I'm actually scheduled to go back on the 1st of November. So to be fair, they were quite flexible with that. So happy days in a way. I have the job lined up when I come back. So that's nice. Um, okay. But yeah, like... Um, I was going to ask you, what yeah. way does it work on this on a personal level? Because, like, in my little studio here, you used to have your apartment just up the top of the street here. Did you have to let the apartment go, or have you sort of sublet it to one of the other Gales lads, or, or um, what do you call it, the first derivatives people? Or do you have a home to come back to, or did you have to basically junk all your stuff when you left? Uh, basically, it was just to get rid of the stuff. Um, because, yeah, I, I don't know if, if Colin told you. Shout out to Colin there. Go back, Colin, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but basically, I think it was a couple of years ago now. Yeah, it was about two years ago. With the way, I think it was with Swedish law, it changed that we actually, because we're here for longer than, I think it's like 40 days, like 40 business working days, mm-hmm. we had to basically move on to a Swedish contract by then, which yeah. meant we kind of lost all of our, you know, you've heard it down through the years, all of our nice perks, you know, the, the accommodation being paid for, the expenses, that was all, that's all gone. And basically we had to, you know, we had to integrate into Swedish society, yeah. which, yeah, like it's, you know, I always thought that that dream would never last. <laughs> I mean, most people in society do pay for their living. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, you're going to have to look after you to pay your taxes and mess around, um, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I always thought, that no, this is not going to last, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, like, we were paying rent, myself and my girlfriend obviously living together for like the last two years. We were living, living normally, let's say. Um, but uh, yeah, like I had to give it up essentially. Um, so 
that'll be fun <laughs> looking for an apartment again yeah. um, but that's the, the plan is basically to come back to Stockholm now at the end of September next year when your sabbatical uh, is over and then go back to work that's, that's the plan now God only knows what will happen in the meantime I suppose yeah that's the thing I mean I'll put it like this I don't want to tie anything down specifically but we have our options and I think we are kind of leaning more to we've kind of said as well when we finish this we want to kind of be a bit closer to home mm. um so we're thinking it's still not fully home. I think we're still we've still got that that bug to be off. Oh, I don't want to be a, at home home in Ireland yet. I think it's likely we'll be in London for a bit. So we're planning to go there. Um, essentially because she has family there and also I have a few friends there as well that I've kind of lost out lost our connection. We're still texting them on Facebook and like you know it's the joys of social media. That's what's good about it. But uh, also again closer to home. I mean flights out of London are like it's like bus air and like. <laughs> Every, uh, flight nearly every hour. That's the thing. Yeah. So, one of those things that's changed here in the pandemic is that there's much fewer flights going out of Stockholm and, and there's very few direct flights now. Aer Lingus don't fly anymore and this kind of thing. So that's kind of slow. I mean, down. yeah. So, so that's it. You yeah, want to get crazy. a little bit closer, a little bit closer to home, and be able to visit. Come here to me. We can't talk about this award without actually talking about the season that was in the Stockholm Gales, because you were part of the Gaelic Football Club. You were part of the soccer club pretty much from the very beginning. Um, the lads, I think, had a little bit more of a difficult time. Like Corpen, they just sort of sailed through it and just beat everybody in individual talent alone. How difficult was the season just gone? Because it took a long time to get any points on the board, Emmett. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's crazy when you think early on we had what was it? You can only book something like half an all weather pitch or whatever, but we had thirty lads on an all weather pitch. <laughs> like that was that was insane, and there was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of hype, and I don't know, maybe we hyped yourself up a bit too much, but again, you kind of do need to do that because look, when you take the knocks, you need to have the confidence and the you know the the enthusiasm to be like right, set yourself down and go again. Mm. But I just think it, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a wake up call in terms of yeah like look fitness and a little bit on the commitment side because look as I said earlier we had thirty lads on all weather pitch and then I think it was by near the summer games I mean I remember those games where it was it was like near pushing thirty degrees and we just had the bare minimum eleven and I mean it, it, it got so tough matches yeah, it, it got so bad that I played I mean you know how bad will that get. <laughs> There's only black and white footage of me playing football prior to this, you know. Um, but it turned out well. I don't you God, I'm I tell you, I really felt me age out there, I can tell you. But tell us this, right? Because it did get better towards the end, and there were a few draws. There's a couple of good wins there towards the end of the season. Um, like, is that one of the things, if you were to come back to Stockholm, is it one of the things you'd look forward to coming back to, playing football with the lads again? Was there a good sort of vibe in the team, despite the results not being that great at times? Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, like, yeah, look, we didn't get the results, but, like, every time I went down to training, like, it's just, it's, like, just a release, and it's, like, from your daily grind to, like, to see the lads, and it's just really good for your mental health now, I think. For me, personally, anyway. Um, and, like, it's something that, you know, like, you come down, you, you know, you're with guys like, you know, Sean, the coach, uh, Gary, um, and a lot of the other guys that just, you know, they're there, they want you to improve, they want you to get better. Um, and it's just, I, that's kind of why, I, you know, that's just, I, I know the words really to describe it, it's just, it's just a release, really. Um, and, and like, look, the, the results didn't go away, but towards the end, we were getting better. Even the first game back, I still remember it. Um, so, gut-wrenching. The first game back after the summer break, and we all thought, oh, shut up, we'll just, 
we'll see what happens here. We've only got 11 players. It was 1-1 up until, I think it was like the 91st minute or, mm. minute or something. And it was oh, just such a kicker to just concede. And then, oh. But then after, I think it was the following game, we went on, oh, I think it was the following two games, we then went on and got a win, and then we got another win, and then, you know, the, the results did improve. So, like, there is hope and optimism there, and, like, that only happens with the hard work getting down to training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, yeah, that's, I think I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but that's that's why, like, 100%, if, if I do come back, which I think is likely, just not maybe in the next year or two, mm-hmm. Um, definitely I'll be you know I'll be definitely back giving the lads a text who's in charge of the Stockholm Gales now <laughs> but you want to be careful now because I mean if you do look to, for a transfer to some team especially in London with Brexit and that now the price is going up because now you've won the prize as the most improved player <laughs> were you surprised when you won that image? were you surprised to get the message from Sean and the lads that that was in fact uh, your prize and that eventually in a year and a half it will be presented to you in person when we actually see you again kind of thing uh, yeah, I mean I think I was a bit shocked um, in the sense that, but personally for me, I was, I was telling everyone, I was telling other people, like if I got some sort of form of an award or whatever during the awards night, because um, obviously I knew that the lads were going to have a big glow off night and that, which is, yeah, it's a great crack in that. I thought, nah, I, I, I wouldn't be in condensed writing there. And then I seen the text in the morning, I was like, oh, really? Oh, cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice to wake up to. <laughs> What, what, um, why do you think they gave it to you? Why do you think all the lads picked you and Sean and Gary picked you above everybody else in the team? You don't have to be modest uh, now. You can go all in on yourself here. This is your chance to make your play here. Full, full Zlatan, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> You're a lion, etc., etc. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would go that far now. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, really. I mean, I think... Like, if I'm speaking for myself, I mean, I just... Like, it's kind of what I was saying earlier, what I want to get out of it in that, like, just get down, work hard, and just improve. But, I mean, you know, like, there are some really good footballers in the team, and I think, like, extremely good footballers. I think you look at yourself against them, and then you see them, you know, wanting you to do better. Like, that just gives me a bit of a buzz to be like, look, they believe in me. So, like, look, I want to be able to repay that. So just keep getting down. I think even... I think even when we did, when training sessions were cancelled, I was just like, I ah, hear I'm not having this. Just grab the football, grab a few cones, and just went down. I think I went down to Hager Park in a few times, or mm. I think it was near, what was it Christinaboy? I was down by there, yeah. that park there. Yeah. yeah, down there. And just put the cones down and just, look, just do a few drills here and there. Mm. Just keep ticking away, keep going over. Um, I don't know. It might be uh, one thing as well. Sean's also from Drogheda. That might be a connection. I don't know. <laughs> are, you, are you from the same parish? Are you? I think he's. What am I? I think I'm north side. He's south side. <laughs> well, usually that would be it's the opposite. The one, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's all the one Drogheda when you get away from home. <laughs> well, listen. The most improved player in 2022, as I say, it's no mean feat because there's an awful lot of lads improved immensely over the course of that season. What's next for you now? You're in Belize at the moment. Are you going touring the rest of South America, or are you going to stay in Mexico, or what do you plan on doing from here? Uh, well, the plan now is to go down to Guatemala. And then on from there to Nicaragua, Honduras, then Panama and Costa Rica. And that's kind of the Central America side. And then we're going to fly down to Patagonia, mm. um, which is like the way, like the bottom of the world, really. And then work our way up through Argentina and Chile. Um, and then Peru. Um, and then I think we should be done then by June. 
and then we move on to what would be the Asian leg of the of the tour. We haven't got that fully planned yet. Um, all we know is the first stop is Singapore. <laughs> so we'll let you know how we get on the summer. <laughs> well, you never know. We might have to catch up with you on your travels in the meantime. Uh, in the meantime, anyway, congratulations, Emmett. As I say, it's a very well-deserved prize. I don't think anybody would have Thanks, said no, though. no, somebody else should have got that. You are most deserving of that prize. Have a brilliant time out there on uh, on your your travels. Take care of yourself. Take care of that missus of yours, right? And uh, keep the boots in check because we're going to need <laughs> you as soon it. as you come back. Brilliant. Thanks very much for oh, talking okay. to me, Emmett. Yeah, I'll be on it. All right, Phil. Take Thank care. You. Cheers. Bye-bye. One by Butcher. Now uh, here's Sheedy. Sheedy's won it back and Sheedy shoots. Oh, and Kevin Sheedy, who's enjoying his best period in an Irish shirt, has right out of nothing conjured the equaliser. Now, lads, you didn't think I was going to go to a World Cup and not include anything about a World Cup. And that was one of my favourite things about the World Cup. Kevin Sheedy scoring against England way back in 1990. Uh, tremendous goal. And I remember sitting there roaring at the television because just before he scored that goal, he gave the ball away and I was going, oh, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he scored and, of course, all is forgiven. It's a funny old game, as they say, across the water. Now, on to our next guest this week. And this is one of those person, uh, one of those people that, uh, when I was talking to Carl Stein from Tushed a few weeks ago, if you haven't got your order in for Tushed, get it in now, lads, because Christmas is getting close now, and poor old Carl is going to be run off his feet. So they have the Yule Must, and they have all sorts of other lovely ecological drinks to be had there. Uh, if you go back over the last couple of shows, you'll find all the contact details and that kind of thing, or look on the Instagram, or look on the Facebook, it's all there, right? But Carl sent me an old text, because um, he's a gas character, like, you know, he's um, a very sort of confident sort of a doesn't like doing the interviews and I think he actually avoided me for years because he's kind of not confident doing them and I think he's brilliant and I think anybody who heard the interview will, will know him as a brilliant guest altogether but he sent me a text to say oh it wasn't as bad as he thought it would have been you know and I thought it was brilliant but anyway uh, and he suggested that I have a little chat with the man that you're about to hear from right and this is a man that you know who's we sort of uh, been in sort of different orbits for a little while uh, but, you know, he's been involved in long haul in football club and that kind of thing, but he's always sort of been there, you know. And Carl said, uh, look, this lad has a very good story about how he got over here and that kind of thing, and he's interesting, and he's, you know, one of the few Irish people who's gone from coming over here with virtually nothing. Now he's the principal of a school over here, and he's a lot of good things to say, like Marco Sullivan had about children, about education and all that kind of stuff, you know. So um, why not get him on? So I sent him an old text message, and I sent him an old email, and I got stuck in and what have you, and you, you turn into a bit of a diva when you're away working like I'm working right so I'm two hours ahead of where you are at the moment and I go okay I can only do it at this time because literally they're working me to the bone here which is great crack so fair play to Robbie we got up on Saturday morning and me being two hours ahead and he was off taking his son to rugby after that so he says I have a half an hour there I'll have a chat with you so we did we had a chat and you know what we meant to talk about a load of different things right but we ended up mostly talking about Robbie and Linda and how he came to be over here in Sweden and then we ended up talking about school and about young people and you know what we drew a line under that because if we have to go back and have another conversation we'll have another conversation but I think you'll find that what's in this conversation is well worth a listen especially at this time of the year so here he is Robbie Graham making his debut on the Irish in Sweden podcast but it certainly won't be the last time we talk to him
Robbie Graham, let's start. Before we go back to childhood memories of having dusters flung at us across a classroom, can we just go back to the story of how you actually found yourself to be living in Sweden? Well, you know, like like uh, most good stories, Philip, it's, I'd love to say it's a short one, but it's uh, long and complicated. Oh, uh, we've all the time in the world. This is the internet. There's no ad breaks. So off you go, sir. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic. Well, I was thinking about it. Um, so I did a, I made a couple of mad decisions when I was younger. The maddest of them being uh, accepting an apprenticeship to be a plumber. Now, for most people, that's a fairly handy one out of school, straight into mm-hmm. plumbing, a nice trade. The only problem for me was that I had never even done woodwork or metalwork a day in my life before. And oh, in, the, in Swedish chair, we have a phrase, uh, thumb in the middle of the hand, and that's exactly what I had. <laughs> I, I, I leave this academic school where we studied Spanish and French and Latin and business, and now I'm supposed to be a plumber. And... As you can imagine, that was a, a short-run thing, a short-lived thing. Um, so by complete, what would you call it? A fluke is what we call it, don't we? Way. Hawks. Uh, yeah. I got a letter in the door, and my actual talent in school was languages. Hmm. So I got a letter in the door. Would you like to attend a German course, which includes a, a, a six-month uh, internship or, or kind of, uh, yeah, non-paid internship in Germany? I didn't have a lot else going on, so I said, yeah, I'd do that, so since the uh, plumbing didn't work out. And off I went to Germany for six months. And within a week of arriving there, I met a girl. Not a German girl, a Swedish girl. Uh, a girl by the name of Linda. And we struck up something. And um, as fast forward a year later, and after a brief stopover in Cork, we were both back living here in Stockholm, 2001. Was that, was that, did she try living with you in Cork and she went, right, I wanted to go to a country where they speak English and this is not it? Or how, how did she, did she land there at all, did she? <laughs> it was a bit like that, yeah. So we, we went our separate ways from Germany in the summer of 2000. And in the January of 01, she actually pitched up in Cork. So we were going to give it a go there. Um, it's kind of mad to think about it now, Philip, when you consider the housing situation in Ireland, right? Mm. So I was 18 then and I actually struck out and we got our own flat. Imagine having your own flat at 18 now in Ireland. God almighty. So yeah, we, had, we had a small flat in a, in, a, in a part of Cork there by Shannon Bells. I'm sure a lot of your listeners would know it. Uh, beautiful times. But of course, you're, you're kind of in that middle middle space between being a juvenile and being a grown-up. So we were playing mm. grown-up. Um, and so we were there play, paying our bills. And it was a, it was a good experience other than the fact that, as usual, the landlord ripped us off on the deposit. Um, oh but then come... Come the May of 2001, then we were like, yeah, this is good. She had trained working in the, the bar scene. I myself was making a living in Dunn Stores, stockroom. Um, and then, uh, yeah, change of scenery. We'll try We'll try somewhere else. So without yeah. very much thought yeah. or planning at all, we just said, we'll strike off to Sweden. And we yeah. went. And, and was Linda from Stockholm, was she? Because like sometimes my wife is from about 60 or 70 kilometers outside of Stockholm. And, you know, she may as well be from another planet in terms of, you know, the network in Stockholm and that we were starting from zero. Did you find yourself in the same boat? Uh, well, uh, kind of, yes, but also, so she's from Stockholm region, yeah, to be fair. It sometimes felt like it was 60, 70 miles away when you're trying to get the night bus home. But uh, <laughs> we were out in a place called Rutebro uh, in Solentuna or a place called Hemmestad and Vandal. Two very nice mm. places, but they're not exactly in the in, in the mix here in town, like, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we were out there. And, um, yeah, but she was from here, so she she knew her way around town and, and what have you, like, you know? Mm. Well, now, how much use was the combination of plumbing and German to you when you got over here first? Well, the, the, the use of plumbing 
Uh, at that point, it was about the same use I have now, which is zero. Um, I'm very good at ringing plumbers at this point. Um, no, but Germany was good, to be fair. Um, in terms of, like, I'm convinced everybody has, like, a natural talent or a natural intuition or inclination to something. Mm. And mine was languages. So um, outside of the German, now I do know a bit of Spanish as well. Yeah. And um, so, like, I picked up along the way. So I... I not only did I have a good ear for Spanish or languages, but I also like had a good idea of how to learn them. Yeah. So I went headlong into Swedish here, and mm. um, I didn't put my foot inside an Irish pub or anything like that for about six months. Yeah. So I just went straight on uh, heavy Swedish. But uh, I do speak Swedish, no, and that's that kind of be a part of the story a bit later on. But my biggest, the biggest helped me when that is. See, one of the biggest challenges for being English speakers in in Stockholm or in Sweden in general is. Just like you keep getting switched back when anybody hears you have a, the, the sound of an English speaker. Obviously, the Swedes, they'll flip you back over. But mm. when I was growing up, I was always a youth leader. Excuse me. <clears throat> I was always a youth leader in our youth club. So I was able to, after about four or five months here, ring up and ask for a job as a free feed leader. So a youth yeah. leader, that's a paid job. It's not the most well-paid job in the world, but, you know, it starts, it starts money ticking in. But more yeah. importantly for me, that actually helped me learn Swedish because they're the kind of only cohort in Swedish society that can't swap you back. So I'm talking yeah. to nine, 12 year old kids every day and they can't flip you back. So it really is the kind of immersion you need. So yeah, I, exactly. that kind of sent me on the path. Yeah. So I, I yeah. was immersed in Swedish society with young kids. And I mean, I've had my pitfalls along the way. And I remember I told a, a bunch of 12 year old kids to shut the F up. I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this, but... Um, <laughs> I told him shut the f up. Of course, in my mind, it was would you mind being a bit quiet, please? So yeah, <laughs> there's been some cross wires along the way, but uh, on the whole, yeah, it's been good. it was a great experience, a great grounding in like in the language. Yeah. So so they didn't hear. So, could yeah. you be a little bit quiet? They thought it was a declaration of war from your side. Going holy Jesus, your man's lost it altogether now. Well, here's the thing: it must have been even more psychopathic than that, Philip, because I said it in a calm <laughs> voice. You know oh, what I mean? God. Like telling to her. <laughs> waving their hands and shouting in the pub you're like okay we have one here lads but if someone looks you dead <laughs> in the eye and says, says something cabbly then you're like alright I, I better get me caught so well, it, was a bit, a, it was a bit like that <laughs> it's, it's like the word idiot in English and idiot in Swedish and it seems to be 10 times stronger when you say it in Swedish that's fighting words if you say it in Swedish to somebody <laughs> like it's the worst thing you can call somebody it's Jesus translation you, yeah, and you and me have been calling each other idiots the whole time, like, you know. So was that your sort of, um, your sort of portal into the world of, of youth work and into the, the, the world of the school that you're in now, you know, by learning Swedish and working with these kids as a youth worker? Well, it, it, if we, like, whatever about the, the decisions of my youth in terms of the leave and cert and then getting the apprenticeship, actually youth work is something I've done myself since I was about 13, 14. So I became mm. a youth leader. So my mother actually used to be involved and run the youth center mm. um, with others, of course. And so naturally it became kind of part of the gig then when she was there that we would take a bit more responsibility, her own children. And I always mm. enjoyed that role. So even when she stopped, I was still youth leader, you know, 15, 16, mm. 17. Um, and so really it was, I didn't know it at the time, but that was the, the basis of my, my career in the end. So mm. when I was able to ring up and say, I've done this, that, and the other in, in youth work here, um, all of it um, on a volunteer basis, you know, it was it was attractive to the to the employer. So, yeah, so working mm. with children and, and, and youngsters has been kind of what I've done from day one, like, you know. 
Mm. And like you were saying there, it's one of those situations where you come in, it's a job that you can kind of get with, you know, if you've limited Swedish, you can kind of get that kind of job. And of course, there's a lot of the international English schools now where you don't need Swedish at all if you're going to be getting a job, if you have some sort of qualification. Like, you know, did, did you actually move into the classroom then soon after that? Was that the path that you took? No. So um, I was there for about three and a half years, I'd say. And then I was visiting a school, so I was getting like the... The Fritis was not in a school, so that's probably worth saying. We were, uh, you wouldn't even find them now, I think, but back in the early 2000s, uh, the Fritis was actually between two schools, so kids from mm. both schools would go to the standalone building. But yeah. because of the connections with the schools, we would go and, and visit, and, and you know, every, every now and again, you'd help a kid out for a couple of hours. Mm. Uh, so that was my way in. But eventually all that happened is that I, after three and a half years, I felt like, you know, it's really it's really valuable to be, you know, be be there on their free time and they, and they talk with them and, and play a couple of games and give them a sense of, of safety and mm. uh, connectedness. But I, I myself felt like I had more to give. Um, and so teaching felt like a, a, a natural next step. Mm. So that's kind of, that's how it went for me. And given the skills that you had sort of collected by that point, Robbie, did you go into teaching plumbing or German or what did you go into teaching? <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> Probably even more surprising now here and having people listen to this, but I actually started teaching English and PE. <laughs> and there you go. So what I did was I actually saw like from the time I made a decision to go teaching to the time I actually started was actually a bit of a process because uh, I went to study teaching here, like a Swedish teaching degree. And so mm. I needed a grade in like secondary school Swedish. Mm. Um, and like most things in the Swedish education system, you can take a test. So there's mm. a test called the thesis test, T-I-S-U-S, if any of your listeners might be interested in doing something similar. And you need that to go to any kind of university education. Mm. So the thesis test is basically a kind of passing grade in, in secondary school Swedish. Uh, and I failed that twice. Um, I passed the, there's three, there's three components of that, uh, speaking, listening and writing, a classic combination. Mm. And I passed the speaking, sorry, I passed the listening and the conversation. Uh, first tailed, but then I failed on the writing. So I failed the writing mm. twice, and then finally I, I got I got there in the end. Like you know, writing is yeah. always kind of the last skill to come. So yeah, I, I I managed to get that done, and then I was good. Then I was like considered the same as everybody else in terms yeah. of um, um my entry criteria. Like you know, so mm. I had um, my okay leaving cert. It wasn't a disaster. I didn't sack it off, but it wasn't uh, what it would be. Let's say if I had more clear intentions, but. Um, so I got the results of my leaving start translated, did the thesis test, and then I was in a teacher education. Mm. And at the same time, were you yeah, trying to work at the same time? Because there's a little bit with the finances there. You have grants from CSN, which is Centralis Studio Studios, Nemden, you know, so you get a little bit of grant and then you can borrow money off them as well. So were you trying to work on the side of that as well as become like do your teacher education? Yeah, I mean, it's always good to keep a couple of quid coming in. So I did. I had a loan and I had a grant. Um, and then I had, uh, yeah, I was working, I was doing a bit of work in the gym in Stockholm behind the reception, handing out towels and giving people smiles as they came in. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was just, just tipping away, like, you know, nothing, nothing really connected to the career. Like most students, you're just, you're just trying to keep a couple of extra quid for a, what, bare money or whatever. Mm, exactly and of course um, you know we're we're the kind of people who like to get back to dublin and cork and that kind of thing and those flights especially back then i hear ryanair starting to fly again now from stockholm you know but you know back then these things were 
quite a bit more expensive than what they are at the moment, or maybe not at the moment, but for, you know, they got cheaper over time, you know, so you do need that extra few quid coming in, you know. Did you yeah, find it difficult when you were doing it, Rob? Because, you know, it's kind of like the, about the thesis test there, you were saying you need Irish if you're going to become a school teacher in Ireland at some level, exactly. you know. Did you find the studying difficult in Swedish? Did you find it very mentally taxing to do that? Um, to be quite honest, Philip, no, because I was, you know, like education and learning is all about motivation. And at that point in my life, I was, what, 22, 23. And I was, I was ready. I was, I was motivated. And, you know, I'm not saying everything was easy, but I, I found it easier to apply myself. Um, mm. So uh, I don't, I don't remember actually failing any tests or things like that. Um, a lot of the, the PE teaching education. So the way it works to be a teacher in Sweden is you like three separate modules, a general pedagogic. So like that's how you learn how to teach and didactics. And then you do your two subjects. Well, that's mm. at least how it was for me. So the, the English was, was fine. I mean, it wasn't very taxing at all. A lot of proficiency there. And despite mm. being from Cork, I managed to pass that. Um, and then the, P, the PE was very practical. There was a bit of theory as well, a, a good bit of theory, but mostly practical. So you had to throw yourself into that and do the group work. So no, I I, I wouldn't say those particular educations kind of stretched my um, my intellect because I I was ready. I was I was ready to do something more in my life, like you know. Mm. It's, it's one of those things that was always said to me when I came over. The two things my mother-in-law suggested were, okay, you can either learn to drive a bus or teach English, right? And then I had a bit of a look around <laughs> about the, at this, uh, the, the teaching system in Sweden, and it's so different from what I grew up with Dublin and what I assume you grew up with in Cork. What's the biggest differences, would you say, between the way we learned in school uh, back in Ireland and what uh, the way kids in Sweden learn and learned in the past? I would say the biggest difference is just how... The school at all costs is required and um, lent upon to keep all kids in school, right? Mm. So um, in my journey, obviously, we've seen there's been a a good share of incidents throughout the years, as it is in every school, but there's always forgiveness and there's always a path back. Mm. Um, So for our, our kids, when I was growing up, I mean, I'm sure both you and I have Names we could reel off of fellas that were and always fellas in our schools um, mm. who were suspended and even expelled and like you just don't do that and that that's that's positive for the society but it could be quite a difficulty in a school environment when a child is is not playing Dis- along if you want to put it yeah. like that like you know disruptive and yeah. this kind of thing yeah yeah disruptive and and that that's kind of the, the, for me the biggest difference and then. From there, I mean, just how you see children in general, I think we have a fairly, or had at least, I'm sure it's changed a lot in Ireland as well. We had a fairly systematic view of education. Kids come in, they sit down, they look forward, they look at the teacher, the teacher tells them what they need to know, and then you do the exam. Mm. Um, here, it's obviously continuous assessment all the time. The teacher is has a greater responsibility to facilitate the learning. So if the kids are not reaching the outcomes they need to reach, then the teacher has to kind of go back to themselves and go back to their teaching team and try to figure out a new plan. Whereas, mm. you know, like I said, for us, it was like, here's the exam, best of luck. And mm. uh, whatever you get, you get, and it's on you. Yeah, exactly. There's much more responsibility on the pupil rather than, you know, it seems to be t- a team effort when you go to a Swedish school, yeah? Yes. And I, I mean, yeah. I, that that could be done to absurdum as well in Swedish. And I, I, like it was only this week I was at a, a teaching symposium that we talked about how much support is enough support and how much support is too much. Uh, because eventually, I mean, the kids do have to fly by themselves. So the, mm. the old device is what we can do with support today. We can do on our own on our own tomorrow. That should always be the goal for the student. Mm. And 
sometimes I feel like we never give them the chance to do it on their own. So that's the, or, or that they never they never reach that point before they leave uh, mm. the school kind of age grouping that I'm in. So they quit my school at, at the year they turn 16. Mm. There's often a thing, especially among our community, because the way we grew up, that you think, well, Jesus, you know, if it happened to me, I got a slap in the back of the head for being left-handed and a messy writer when I was younger. Exactly. And, you know, you exactly. think, well, ah, you know that thing, oh, it didn't, didn't, didn't do me any harm. I turned out all right. And you realise you're a fucking basket case, like, you know. But when exactly, you compare yeah, the yeah. two systems, Rob, is, is it difficult for you to sort of think, OK, there has to be discipline, but there also has to be, you know, you have to recognise that these are children you're dealing with. These aren't even sort of, you know, I don't even describe them as human beings until sort time as you know exactly, yeah. behave <laughs> so is it is it hard to find the balance between you know expectation and saying right you know we need to give these people the right tools for life for sure i mean that's that's what it comes down to it's it's um i the word discipline really is not one that's in the swedish vocabulary and I, i'm, I'm mm. not sure that's a bad thing i think even for our time it would have been better let's say with leadership uh, mm. and that's that's kind of what we as like educators need to practice is a strong leadership um, strong leadership in the process and then obviously <clears throat> we have to be the masters of our own domain in terms of our subjects but uh, yeah leadership is, is probably more appropriate and we probably could have done with a bit more of that as well rather than just like uh, here here's the task you failed and uh, best of luck um, mm. no. so we I certainly look back on my own schooling and it wasn't in any way traumatic I, I went to two lovely schools um, it was my own kind of lack of I always <clears throat> look to myself and maybe my own lack of vision for my own life was um you know what what slowed me down in my progress but i could have certainly done with a little bit more help at the age of 13 14 15 somebody to see me and say but why would you be a, a plumber we yeah. don't even do woodwork in this school yeah and someone put down what what but you're really good at german when did you give when did you be interested in developing that so that that that's something that maybe we could have had more of that you do have in the swedish school system i think this you've just hit the bullseye for me now if there's one thing i've realized and this is how i try to live my life today at the moment i'm away working on a big tournament right and i'm trying to be the person for the younger journalists here that i wish existed for me when i was 20 or 21 or 22 because it took me 20 years to get to where mm. i should have been after five you know and it's one of those things that i still sort of bring with me and because you just don't know I mean, the idea of you being a plumber, I mean, you're the nicest, most talented man in the world, right? But that's not for you, Robbie. And nobody was there to sort of put their, your, their arm around your shoulder and go, look, at, do something else, you know, go into this youth work thing. Is that something that, like, as a principal in a school now, because you're not just a teacher anymore, you're running the whole show, is that something that yeah. you're very conscious of? Because you do get kids, there's this great expression in Swedish, school threats, you know, tired of school, they don't want mm. to do anything, you know. How do you deal with people like that who don't necessarily have a clear academic path or a clear path into an apprenticeship? Uh, that that's a really good question, Philip. And that's like, I know I always love journalists love hearing that as well. That's a really good question, Philip. Oh, you'd be um, head. You want to see the size? I won't get out of the room now. After that. <laughs> Great question. But just just to go back a second to like your your statement of you, you wish you had someone that could guide you through when you're younger. It's it's mm. it's so true. I mean, too many of us have this idea that you know work or, is a competitive environment and it's a zero sum game when when it really isn't. Like there's, mm. there's plenty of, of news and, and things going on, let's say, in your business for, for mm. everybody to cover. Um, and, and in many ways, like collaboration brings everyone to new heights. I'm sure you'd mm. be a better journalist. You'll be a better journalist in time for, you know, sharing wisdom and, and reflecting upon your own practices just to do that. Um, yeah, the, the, the other side of it was um, when it comes to the kids who are struggling in school, and there's a number of them, and unfortunately, it's an increasing problem, right? Because we have 
Well, it's it's society. I put it on, dude. You you just have to go into like um, social media. That there's a certain kind of nihilism creeping in, a certain kind of lack of belief in a in a positive future that's creeping into youngsters, and it's, it's very worrying. Mm. And for a, a very small few, it becomes like almost debilitating. Mm. We we do have, and I've met over the years. Excuse me again. <clears throat> over the years, I've met some kids who are like they don't see what it's going to be like to be 25 years old. Um, but what I what I what I try to do, and our school tries to do, is and it worked backwards, right? So we start with we we usually have like a vision of what it's like to be 25. So I have mm. one kid. Um, I obviously have to, it won't be too specific, right? But with, the, with one of my kids, we talk about what, what they'd like to do when they're 25. And, and so they talk about a, a job they'd like to have. And then we, I try to walk them back through the education system um, mm. to where they are now and the kind, of, the kind of match they'd have to hit. But also what I like to do is tell them, like, what happens if you miss a mark, right? Mm. So if you don't get into gymnasium in, in three years' time, what happens then with your dream of being a fireman, police, a lawyer, doctor? What happens then? Um, and I tell them, well, there's a thing called the, you can always study up your subjects when you when you feel more ready for it. You can always do a thing called how you'll approve it to come into university. You can always retake your university exams when you fail them. You can always write your CEPSATS or your CSA. Um, kind of like, there's no deadline for that. What I, what I, I guess my point is, like, I try to tell them that life is not, I, I know someone you've had on recently or is in your interview, Marco Sullivan, he talks a lot about non-linear development in, in, in sports. And it's the exact same in academics and, and in life in general. Like, we, we, don't, we don't travel in straight lines. And if anything, my, my journey is a good example of that, Philip, because mm. I've gone from being more or less unemployed, uneducated here in Sweden in 2001 to now being yeah, an acting principal of a school. Um, mm. And it hasn't been a straight line and it took maybe 10 years where a university education takes four. It took me 10. We had kids. We moved to America for a year and it just, and then it all comes together. So yeah, yeah. Mm. so we, I work a lot with, to get back to your question, I work a lot with youngsters about staying in the game. Just stay, mm. take care of yourself, look after your mental health, do some of the things that, that give you joy and and just keep 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 believing and here's how your dream can come true or your your ambition can come to fruition if you even if things don't go let's say the next step doesn't go exactly as you want that's mm. important and that's important not just for kids but for all of us do you find because there's going to be a lot of parents listening to this and teachers listening to this Robbie do you find that the expectations that parents have are, you know like unreasonable expectations if a kid is not academic and should be a plumber rather than learning German and they go no no I want them to be a doctor and you go look at it, this kid is never going to be a doctor let them go let them become a plumber or an electrician they can make a good wage they'll have a good solid life. oh no, no no a lawyer or an accountant they go eh, that's not really them is that you know how much of a role do the parents have in that and you know do they have very unreasonable expectations do you find no i i mean not in my experience at least in general there's been a couple of examples i have a good example mm. from a couple of years ago where uh, we had a student who was struggling in school and i'm talking like barely getting passing grades and getting a lot of support to get there mm. and the parents were still coming to meet and say we want our kid to be a surgeon and i'm like <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it's not on the cards but I, and it's like they were saying it's his dream. It's like, is it really his dream or is it your dream? Yeah. But we had a lot. And that, that got quite a bitty and it got a little bit kind of an, it, 
infected, right? Mm. Uh, those conversations, because we did not want to have a situation where the kid was leaving our school and nowhere near his, his let's say, supposed dream. Mm. Eventually, eventually, they they did come around to the idea of, okay, the points are not there, the, the merit values, what we call the merit, mm. uh, the merit values are not there. Um, so he's going to have to, you know, with about three, four months left, he's going to have to change tack. And he mm. did. And he got more, he got more, more of a say. So it turns mm. out his dream wasn't at all to be um, a surgeon. His dream was to be like working in IT. And yeah. this is like a, a good ending to this story. That kid who was getting a lot of support, he's now a, a white hat hacker. So he got oh, well. in an environment, yeah, he got an environment where he not, not only like, he not only survived, but he thrived and he excelled. So mm. he, he came back and visited us a couple of years back and he was like, yeah, I'm doing this project with KTH and I'm a white hat hacker and I, I'm helping the younger students to understand like the basics of the, mm. and I was like, wow. And like, Philip, you couldn't believe it when he was in seventh grade that this would happen. Uh, yeah. You really couldn't. So no, that, but that, 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 go back to your question about parents. I think parents in general, when it comes to the careers, they're fairly good, at least from what I hear. I think where parents get a bit stickier from the school perspective, and I think all the parents need to understand this, is that the school is not just working with your child. Mm. The school is not just your 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 child is the apple of your eye, and we understand that. But we have two hundred of them that we mm. have to consider how they act and move and and get along together, like you know. Mm. And then, and then also this this idea like there's a lot of secrecy in school. So mm. if one kid is not is not doing what he's supposed to be, the other parents are never going to know about what kind of things the school are doing to sort mm. that out. And there's no there's no waving a magic wand that it's going to be fixed next week. So a lot of times, one of my big frustrations is when you're working really hard, and then kids and parents will say, "Yeah, you're not doing anything to solve a problem," and it couldn't mm. be further from the truth. You know? Yeah. So yeah, no par- parents are good. Good parents are the best, and then tough parents are probably the biggest challenge as a principal. You know. Mm. And you were saying there that some of the young people today, they don't really have a vision of a future. There's that sort of nihilism that comes in there. You meet these kids every day. Do you see a positive future from the kids that are coming through your hands and through your school at the moment? Do you look to the future and think, yeah, these kids have got it. They're talented. They're going to they're going to make a difference, a positive difference in this world. Uh, for sure. hundred percent. I mean, we've had some brilliant people come through the school and not all my like academic brilliance, but just brilliant personalities, very effervescent. Like you can see leadership in them without necessarily seeing that they've got an A in maths. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, I, I, one of the things that most schools, in fact, all schools should be doing, and I believe many of, many of them are, it's like developing the person as well to kind of see their own talents and, and give them a way to develop them, even if they're non-academic. Mm. Um, so we have a process where like every child has a, an individual plan for development. And they're supposed to write those things down, not just I want to get better at Spanish or I want to improve my physics results, but it's like, all right, I want to practice public speaking. I want to I want to uh, perform in front of the school at Christmas time. So like we try to get all the get all the talents like out on the floor and visible, mostly mm. visible for themselves. But I've filled up the kids are brilliant. Like some of some of them have you in stitches and you're like, all right, that's that's a comedian there, like you know. Mm. So effortlessly, so 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 natural, great timing, and you know whether you have a, a, a D in Swedish or not, it's like it's a it's a kind of different type of mastery of language. So yeah, no, I I have great belief in the kids, um, 
and I work, like you said, I, I work with, uh, I coach a rugby team as well on the 14s last year. They'll be under 16s this year. And mm. like kids are fabulous. So respectful, so willing to learn and hungry to develop. No, uh, I, it gets me out of bed in the morning, you know. The grown-ups are sometimes a challenge from my point of view. The kids kids never saw. Yeah, I think my mother used to say that most kids be all right if you just just took their parents out of the equation. Now, I know on the morning, <laughs> on the morning we're speaking here, you're about to go off and coach. Is your son playing football or rugby this morning when you're heading off now? Um, I have twin boys set up there 14, right? So we're going to get off and they're not. This is kind of a pre-pre-season. It's a bit of madness. There's a, a fellow by the name of Donald Buckley. I don't know if you ever met him, a Kerry man. Oh, I know he, him well. He has, yeah, yeah. So he's uh, me and him are, are on the coaching of the of the team with another Kiwi lad, a lovely fellow by the name of Martin Hall. And uh, but we're we're not actually coaching them today. We're but we're going to be there. But they're doing a Nordic military <laughs> Nordic military training. And my my sons are upstairs. They're kind of half shaking, putting their wee bits into their mouth because they have no idea what's ahead of them. You know. But, so I just um, think everything yeah. you said over the last half an hour has just gotten thrown out the window as Donald Buckley comes in in a sergeant major's <laughs> uniform and it's going to run them round in the snow kind of thing, you know. Yeah, but the thing is, like that's that's the beauty with Donald as well. We I haven't coached with Donald before since our first year, and we had some good chats beforehand. And mm. despite being less than neighbours there down below in the south, where we're quite different, right? And I have massive respect for what Donald point of view is and he's he's big on like motivation and discipline and having a common goal and 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 i am the same but yeah so it, it might be a little bit of good cop bad cop for sure yeah. you know that, that's good for the kids as well different, well, le- he was... different leadership styles they're going to encounter you know yeah before his kids sort of grew up to the point where they had their own activities he used to coach the women's team at the Stockholm Gales and even the girls who didn't understand his heavy Kerry accent absolutely loved him and they die for him they do absolutely anything on the field yeah. for him so they're in yeah. good hands listen we were supposed to talk about soccer as well but I've decided that instead we're going to get all the long Holman fellas together at some point but in the meantime it's been a fascinating chat with you about the education system I just have one last question for you right if before you left school you know if you could meet the Robbie who was 15 16 17 maybe just done his if you could give him one piece of advice back at that time now with the older Robbie what would you tell him to do um, I would say just get a I would try to help him get a, a clearer vision of what he thinks his life is going to be like and to be fair to young Robbie as well I think uh, older Robbie has achieved some of his dreams I mean I was always a family man and uh, even mm. as a youngster uh, I always dream of and uh, you know what most people dream about I think maybe young lads don't think about it so much but I always wanted stability a nice calm family home and kids mm. of my own so I, we, we, we've done that much but we've done that much but no I would say yeah like like the things we talk about have a, have a crystallized idea of what, what you would like your life to be and then and then you figure it out from there my, my biggest challenge I guess in my late adolescence was a little bit of drifting you know mm. Well, look, at if their vision of their life turns out anything like your life has turned out, they won't be doing too badly at all. Robbie Graham, thanks so much for speaking to me. Thanks very much, Philip. Mind yourself, yeah? There you go. That was it. Robbie from Longholman. Robbie Graham. What a, what a man. What a story. What a tale to tell. And what a lazy git I am. I couldn't find a YouTube clip or something funny to stick in there between the end of the interview and the last voiceover of this week's podcast. But lads, look at Senegal against England is just after starting on the television and I've had enough for one day. So unfortunately, you'll have to put up with it this time around. There is one more week to go, right? So like, um, like Ireland have always done, I'll make it as far as the quarterfinals, but no further at the World 
World Cup and I will be landing back in snowy Stockholm this time next Sunday. Quarter past ten tis here in Doha and it'll be a quarter past ten in Stockholm when I land next Sunday. So in the meantime, as I say, if you're listening to this, because I'm not going to have time to chase guests or anything this uh, this week, so if you've had going on for Christmas that you'd like to tell me about, if your name is Sophie Murphy and you can tell me about the Irish Chamber of Commerce gala dinner or anything like that, get in touch, lads, because otherwise next week's podcast could be a short one and I don't want Kevin Carroll coming after you because you didn't have a suggestion for me. But you look at whatever what happens, we will get through it one way or the other because we always do, because we have each other's backs, because we look after one another, we look after ourselves. And sure, if you can manage to do that, you'll still be in one piece and I'll be talking to you again soon. Take care for now. Good luck. <laughs>